Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rods.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joe and we have Birdie. Hey. No Nico this week, unfortunately. He has work like some fucking narc. I wish I had work. <laughs> Sorry if the show ends up being like low energy or anything. It's just we things happen. Hey, we're here talking about comic books and stuff. Comic yeah. books are fun, supposedly. Some of the time. You said before we started that there was one that you particularly did not have a good time with. Yeah. Let's start off with that. And if it was all shit, I would have not hated it as much. Because it was bad. I knew it was bad. I read it. It was bad. But the thing that you said was good was good. So that made it worse. Fuck Civil War (laughs) 2. Why did you read that? Because it was free. Fair enough. And Actually, not fair enough. I feel so bad for David Marquez. So bad. That dude is so talented. This might be some of my favorite comic book art ever for conveying a, a different variety of tones for a lot of distinct detail, both in the backgrounds and in character expressions and in the foregrounds of action scenes. He can, seems to do it all. But the story is shit. Oh, shit. Oh, and my also, God. I didn't, re- I didn't realize they had also, and uh, this is for my own edification, I did not realize they revealed the new She-Hulk in this. So <laughs> there was really no reason for me to read Hulk at all. <laughs> That's one of those hindsight is 20, go fuck yourself 20. Ugh. So I don't really feel the need to say the story of Civil War 2, except that it sucks. Because yeah, you feel- covered it in lengthy detail. Yes, I issue to issue, motherfuckers. That's what broke me. Yep. And that's why and you're not I getting any Civil War... That's why you're not getting any Secret Empire coverage, because fuck that. Yeah. I might look at it retroactively a few years down the line if I ever care enough, but... Comixology gives it away for free. Yeah. Or Amazon's like, hey, you spent money on a good comic. How about a bad comic that's more expensive but free? It's like, please, we have all this shit in our fucking storage. We need to offload it somehow. Yeah, like, I think I, I'll, I'll talk about the book I bought that gave me this free comic afterwards. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I feel so bad because I really wish that, like, Frank Miller had drawn this so I could just say, nope, fuck it, leave it. It. Yeah, it's a book that's because so bad you wish other parts of it were worse so that it could just like even out. Yeah. Yeah, because like in the first Civil War, I might not actually I might actually hate this more than the first Civil War, because while the first Civil War started all this shit and it made a lot of bad decisions and it might have had more lasting bad impact than this one has. <clears throat> At least it committed to its own stupidity. Because <laughs> this story is stupid, but it, ref- it based on everything that's happened to Marvel since it happened, it copped out of everything. It, it had a point, then it just ended on a giant shrug, and things just went back to normal. 
Whereas for all the stupidity of Civil War II, of the first Civil War, it caused things throughout the universe to change for a year or two. Yeah, like things... For several years. Things mattered for like a hot minute. Yeah, and they didn't completely do away with the stupidity of Civil War II until I think like 2008, 2009, I think was about when that happened. Yeah, well, for Civil War, because it's Civil War II again. Yeah, sorry, the first Civil War. Yeah, it uh, was fucking terrible. It's Civil War II, it's stupid, it's almost, it's pointless, except it makes me hate some of my favorite Marvel characters, and... Oh, and the art is so good. I want a David Marquez book of high writing quality. Like, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. We listed off, like, writers we would love David Marquez to work with, like Greg Rucka or Dave Grant Morrison. Or... Yeah. Oh, dude. Dude. Him doing some of that weird, like, fucking, like, modern era Grant Morrison Cthulhu shit. Yeah. Or, uh, what's that series, uh... God hates astronauts. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But no, he's stuck working on a piece of just, and it's funny how bad this is because Bendis was the one who called out all the stupidity of the original Civil War. Yeah. Like he's the one who wrote that. Fuck you, stupid. This is stupid. Aliens did it. Yeah, and then <laughs> it's like, hey, what if I did Profiling's it? Profiling's a thing. Profiling's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, I can you, make a story about that. Yeah. Hey, you know what's fucking neat? The future. But what if, but hey, hear this. What if it wasn't? And it was bad. Ooh. Yeah. If you want Marquez with like good writing, read the Miles Morales stuff. Yeah, no, I know he's still capable of good work on like character by character basis, but kind of like how Dan Slott really needs to get off the Spider-Man universe. Bendis should not be allowed to do universe affecting things anymore. Largely because they don't really affect the universe, except in really small, really shitty ways. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me. Event comics just need to die down. Yes. Not die out. Let's just pump your brakes. Put that Venomverse shit in the back burner. The occasional good one does not forgive the onslaught of shit and how much good books are affected by them and forced to stop what they're doing to be affected by them, but they don't stick because they have a new one every six months. Yeah, like... Oh, the yeah. only event book that's been talked about in like in like any kind of recent things that made me slightly interested is that fucking like doomsday clock thing. Mainly because I just want to know what the fuck is happening with it. For those that don't know, doomsday clock is the point in the the point where the DC universe officially folds in Watchmen, like for realsies, and not just fucking. Oh, hey, we saw his blue finger. Got announced with the button. Yeah. So yeah, fuck this book. Yep. Um, I, 
I will only say, David Marquez, you are a terrific artist. I hope you get lots of work in the future with Image, with DC. You know what? Fuck, you should work on Wonder Woman. Dude, yes. Dude! Because, like, I've already seen the art for, like, the next group after Greg Rucka's set ends, and it's so blah. <laughs> and this really... What he... What... what, what um. What David Marquez's arts reminds me of, and I don't, I don't know if you've read this or not, but uh, Gail Simone's run in the late 2000s, which was drawn by the Dodsons. Hmm. Specifically, I think the first arc was called The Circle, where Wonder Woman battled uh, future Nazis with an army of intelligent gorilla, gorillas. Right, yeah, I did read that. Good shit. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it has that same kind of, like, takes itself seriously enough pulpy fun that I think Marquez would be fun for, like, a mainstream Comic-Con. Because it's kind of what this felt like. It's just it took itself way too seriously and the story was stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, David Marquez, keep getting work. Bendis, stick to Morales. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, Morales is still fucking doing pretty good work. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And, uh, I mean, the black cat shit, that's, that's Dan Slott's fault, not his. But. Yeah, he's doing what he can with it. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's not much to do with it because it is a shallow idea. Yeah, and it's weird to see other writers have to work with how stupid this version of Black Cat is. Like the, um, the Hellcat book, when she showed up in that, that was just strange. Yeah. Whatever happened but to anyway, Silk? Talking about stupid ideas that Dan Slott came up with. I think it's still going. Is it? I have not seen a fucking thing from that book. I haven't even, I haven't even heard that character get mentioned. Like, not even fucking... Jessica Drew mentioned her like, at all, and they were fucking yeah, like apparently outside pros. Of her, outside of her, yeah, outside of her own book, she has not shown up at all, and I think that's for the best because, I mean, she'll probably show up in the next the Venomverse Spider event, but I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I kind of just want Spider Gwen to beat the shit out of her. Yeah, totally. So yeah, fuck Civil War two. I, I pray. This is the last I ever have to specifically talk about the book itself. I might, I'll, I'll inevitably have to talk about some of the fallout from it in other books, but I hope this is the last anyone on this site has to talk about Civil War too, because it just needs to die. Okay, then. So I guess talking about fucking shit or whatever, let's talk about Dark Days, The Forge. I saw the cover of this, and I was confused. As you should be, because just rereading the book now, I don't think that image... Yeah, the image shows up once as a dream from Hawkman. And it is a... This is a fucking... I don't... I don't know. I don't know. So it starts out with Hawkman's origin story with him just kind of talking about like whatever. It's like, hey, I'm from this fucking 
past a feeling of adventure, blah, 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 me and fucking everybody out doing shit, talk, giving like the history of what Hawkman is and introducing nth metal. Just kept explaining that. Then it is in the present in the Bermuda Triangle because of fucking course it is. With a scientist saying there's something in the metal. Batman and Aquaman save him and it is revealed that Batman has this whole fucking secret cave inside the cave where he's keeping like samples of different kinds of metal that seem to be some kind of magic. Green Lantern shows up because of course he does. And there's this whole other like kind of subplot thing of like a secret society is in there examining things. Things is something something to do with a uh, I think his name's Duncan. The new Robin-ish character. Duke, sorry, Duke Thomas. Yeah, the, he's oh, the okay. yeah, the, he's the new Robin-ish guy dressed all in yellow. Apparently his mom has something to do with this fucking secret organization. And what what kind of even worse is like they keep switching artists from like section to section. And the artists do nothing to like actually try to mesh their art styles together. And it's something I fucking despise. Just have one artist do the whole fucking book. God damn it. But yeah, so Batman and Mr. Terrific are hanging out in the Batcave examining some bullshit where Batman like found some weird signature within the metal or something. So they decide it's time to let somebody out of the box. Specifically Plastic Man. Because yeah, in a fucking series called Dark Days, you want to bring in Plastic Man. Who's apparently been kept in a fucking egg this entire time. Meanwhile, back in the Batcave, they're just, like you said, looking at fucking the Helmet of Naboo. uh, The weird metal that the fucking... Court of Owls used to bring people back to life. Wonder Woman's Bracers, Aquaman's Trident. And then it turns out the Joker's still alive. Because... Of course he fucking is. God damn it. Sure. Yeah, Joker's just, in a li- just alive in a fucking room. And apparently this is a threat that the Guardians of the Universe were like, Yeah, this is something I should do. And then Batman has the fucking... Batman has that tower that you remember. Did you read uh, Infinite Crisis? Some of it. I didn't read the whole thing through. Did you see that weird giant golden tower thing that Alexander Luther was strapping people to in order to bring universes back from death? Oh, you mean on Crisis on Infinite Earths? Okay. Well, no, both. Okay, I, I remember it from Crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't remember it from Infinite Crisis, but I didn't read all of it. Yeah, it, I didn't read all of him. I didn't read all of Christ in front of the Earth. Yeah, but yeah, just that giant fucking gold tower. Batman just has that in the Fortress of Solitude, and he's using it to like fucking trace back the energy from the metal to find like the source of magic. I don't fucking know. These kind of event books type things just get confusing almost immediately. 
Yes, because there is just so much fucking information being fucking thrown into your goddamn face at all times, just nonstop. Just hey, we got this, 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 and ugh. that the scene that I mentioned, where just going down the hallway, looking at like all the fucking different magic things. That's what this book. That's what this issue feels like. It's like just a hallway of things that will matter. Just, hey, we got fucking Plastic Man. Why does he matter? Fuck you, that's why. Buy the next book, you fucking rube. It's really a shame. James Tinian's a good writer. Yeah. But Scott Snyder's the bigger name and he will he's more willing to play ball. At least that's what it is in my head. Otherwise I'll just fucking I'll just learn that like, hey, y'all as writers you like, they will compromise because editorial says, hey, do this. And this whole fucking dark universe thing is so Ugh, I don't even know what the fuck it is, and I kind of hate it. Wait, was this was this the thing they advertised by Batman's now evil? I don't know. Because when I saw that, I was like, yeah, they've done that before. It was never fun whenever they did it. <laughs> yeah, like turning Batman evil is just a couple steps below turning Superman evil. Yeah, and the only time it's ever worked is when you contrast the good Batman with the bad Batman, when you do like the 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 crime syndicate thing but no if you just have like evil Batman it's like no I, I don't care yeah I mean, good luck trying to fucking find a thing about this because everything about it is like you, you search fucking DC dark universe and it just turns into fucking it's like hey guess what it's remember that Just League Dark movie that's coming out yeah that's gonna be a thing I don't know what this is, and I really don't want to care, but I don't think I'm not allowed to. So I guess we'll see what fucking happens, because... I'm I'm done. <laughs> It sounds like it. So yeah, your next fucking thing. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so so the thing I spent money on to end <gasps> Civil War 2, uh, I've read the final volume of the Dennis Hopeless Spider-Woman run. That was good shit. Yes, it was. And there was like, a, like okay, so yeah, the uh, how everything worked out with Roger and Jessica was adorable. <laughs> and uh. it was funny to watch superheroes be snooty that she that she ended up with someone they thought was beneath her, and that she was just it. I love how shocked Black Widow was. Like, wait, you you just want to be happy? But you're a superhero. That's not allowed. It's like, bitch, I wear a biker jacket now. 
like I started this whole arc on the on the premise that I'm tired of being the international agent shit. That just got me nowhere. It ruined my life. I'm sick of it. <laughs> now she has a little fucking at home business. Got herself a kid. Got herself a nice guy. Got herself a buddy. Yeah. Speaking of Roger, though, I did kind of like at the beginning of the Hobgoblin arc the tension between um, Jessica and Roger's ex-wife. This I, I, that whole concept of oh, you're the one who got him to not be a deadbeat. You're the one that got him to be a good father, which apparently I never could. And that resentment coming out when she thought he was dead. That I kind of liked that as a character moment. Yeah, yeah. That whole yeah. series had a lot of fucking good bits yeah. like that. Yeah, and also, and this is why I said I wanted to re- talk about this after Civil War Two. This did a better job in my mind of trying to... Like, you know how when I, I talked about the mighty Captain Marvel after Civil War Two, that I didn't buy... Jessica just forgiving her for the shit she pulled during Civil War Two. Yeah, that sounded like complete horseshit when you said it. Yeah, and they and they do the bit in uh, the Civil War Two tie-in volume where Captain Marvel just says, "I'm right. It, don't worry about it. Let's just hug it out and be friends again." And I called uh, horseshit go away. But at the end of this volume where she said, look, no, you are my friend. I am a much more powerful superhero than you. I don't care if you said don't interfere in your business. I am your friend. I'm going to help you. Oh, you're making out. (laughs) Just and that that moment where she's like, "Um, so can we like be all the way friends again so that you can explain to me what the fuck this is? (laughs) And she like gives her the thumbs up and then like, shoo, shoo. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Roger's, like, dumbstruck, lovesick face when Jessica first kisses him, and he's then being flung around by Hobgoblin. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It really sucks that, like, I'm not going to get, like, we're not going to get a book with Roger in it for a while. Nope. Or that um, Jessica Drew at this point is, once again, you told me Dennis Hopeless was working on another book somewhere in Marvel. I couldn't remember where she showed up, but I can't remember. But it makes me sad that this is not the person in charge of the relationship between... Like, this is not the person in charge of the Captain Marvel book, because honestly, I think the relationship between her and Jessica Drew kind of points out the problems with how Carol has been portrayed post-Civil War II, and if this was the person writing her character, I could almost believe that I could forgive the, the the way she was stupidly written. Yeah, and it it is kind of unfortunate too because uh, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, so I was first introduced to Dennis Hopeless through Avengers Arena. Oh, that's a terrible book. I fucking hate that book for various reasons, and I was like, "Oh, fuck you, Dennis Hopeless." Then I picked up this, not even really knowing that he was fucking writing it. I was like, "Oh, wait, this is fantastic." Yeah, you see, my my introduction to Dennis Hopeless was on the weird book The Answer, which I could not get a sense of his writing style from. I was like, okay, this is just weird and all over the place, so maybe Spider Woman will be good. And but then it could. And remember when the second part started with the whole pregnancy thing? We all thought, oh, this is going to be the stupidest, most sitcommy thing ever. And then it found a way to do the most mature possible version of the storytelling, and it ultimately paid off. Unlike the Hulk book where they had an interesting 
possibly mature idea, but have no interest in paying it off in any meaningful way. Yeah. <laughs> so I am quite glad I read this. Comics are weird now. Like, I mean, like the, I mean, like meta comics are weird. I don't mean, yeah. like, I don't mean like, me- I don't mean like comics that are meta. I mean like the meta of comics. Yeah. Thinking about the nature of comics going forward. Yeah. Like, like taking a character who is tied to somebody full of rage and then making them, you know, like that turn out to be just like this boring fucking horseshit thing. And then a book about, li- and then a book about a lady getting pregnant. Turned out to be one of the fucking feel-good books of the year. Yeah. But yeah, like all those moments where, um, where like Wonder Woman, where uh, Captain Marvel, like both in the Civil War 2 book and in the Hulk book, where Kara was trying to apologize for setting up a situation where Bruce gets shot in the face. <laughs> and all that just felt so horribly insincere that I was like, I can't buy this. There's no emotion to this. I'm just pissed. Yeah, actually, going back to Civil War 2 for just a hot second. God damn it. No, it was a thing it was a thing I was actually just thinking of. Like for whatever reason, I started thinking about Civil War 2 today. It just like creeped into oh, my okay. mind. Like, it just like creeped into my mind. It felt like my spine go numb for a second. So it's like someone walked over your grave. Yeah, and it was this so Hawkeye, throughout all of that shit, like him killing Bruce, he seemed like genuinely sympathetic about everything. Yeah, like he was the one who was like, I never wanted to do this. Bruce wanted me to do this if he thought um, the Hulk was going to come out again. And the book, Civil War II, I never really felt like it sold the idea that he was going to actually turn into the Hulk. They say like he just got angry, but people get angry and stressed in those situations. So Yeah, and, but like he's Bruce Banner. If he gets angry, people die. And also the way the book phrased it, it sounds like they could have used that to kill him even after he hulked out. So yeah, just fucking wait. Like usually Hulk, that was like, like, I know Hulk has like, you know, like I know they're like, oh yeah, fucking if Hulk goes, everyone's going to die. But no, he's going to go out Hulk and he's going to stand there for five seconds yelling. Which means you will have at least five seconds to shoot him in the face. Yeah. But but like they show throughout that thing, like David Marquez does a great job of like showing that Hawkeye genuinely kind of hates himself for what he did. Yeah. But also, then, I hate that they made him. I hate that they made Hank McCoy an idiot. Yeah. But then like every they're like they they made him smart enough to figure out that Bruce was experimenting on himself, but not to figure out that he was like treating himself with something to absorb and disperse gamma radiation. Yeah. But, like, after he gets killed and, like, Hawkeye gets, you know, acquitted of the murder, every single fucking book shows the image of Hawkeye just walking out of that fucking courthouse. And he's like, fucking, fuck yeah, I'm not, gu- I'm not guilty of murder. Woo! Like, he's, like, just fucking, yeah. like, exuberant the entire time. Yeah, that feels like one of the few things Bendis kind of got right was, like, like when he said uh, at the end of Civil War Two. Everyone seems to love me for the one act that I, that will haunt me for the rest of my life. How do you get from that? America, fuck yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm a circuit performer. I murdered the Hulk. Woo! To, oh, God, I killed my best friend. What's going to happen to me? What's wrong with my life? Like, yeah, fuck, that so. kind of shitty, totally awesome Hulk book fucking handled that shit better. Yeah. 
A lot of tie-ins, you know, it's the same thing with the original Civil War too. A lot of the tie-ins explain the stupidity better than the basic writer, which that seems like one of those things where in the writing session, clearly, even though this was a by committee editorial decision book, these things were not written by committee. Uh, someone would be like, um, question. Yeah, um, hey guys, oh, this thing is kind of dumb. So what are we going to do with this? Yeah. At which point the editorial just threw a bag of cocaine at him and said, figure it out. Yeah. Which, and it's so funny, the whole Carol de- de- uh, detaining that woman indefinitely on no charges and with no proof, considering she beat the shit out of Iron Man for separating a woman from her daughter because she refused to register her identity. <laughs> uh... Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, Dark Days, The Forge is kind of shitty. I have yeah, no idea what the fuck's going to happen. And Spider-Woman was a great book. I want Dennis Hopeless to keep working on these characters somehow. Maybe he'll take over Silk and just make Jessica Drew like her mentor and just beat the shit. No, you're stupid. Stop. <laughs> fucking <idiot. laughs> Yeah, just Silk goes off and does something and then Jessica just shows up, just kicks her in the fucking box and it's like, let me do it. <laughs> Just hang back, hang back with Roger and fucking Ben. Ben just stand there writing it all down. What was her kid's name yeah. again? I don't. Remember. Uh, oh, uh, Jessica's kid. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Harry. I want to say Jesse, but I know that's wrong. Um. But yeah, uh, I, but yeah, Dennis Hopeless seems to really know and really like these characters. So um, Gerald, that's his name. Gerald. Okay. For so I, I was saying the wrong name. I was saying what um, Gerald calls Roger because in the episode where Roger's trying to babysit him during the party, he's going Rocco, Roger, <laughs> <laughs> which is both adorable and silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> that was great. It's also great as Daveocracy. Or it's like the Dave Please books in general. Please tell me about general. Daveocracy. I just love. I like Dave just in concept. Dave's cool. <laughs> like the character and the world. <laughs> so what's kind of neat? Uh, so so this book, uh, it's it's done now. Uh, Daveocracy is done. And okay. and uh, what happened is um, Sam, the candidate for president, who is the internet. Remember, that's a plot point. If those haven't read the book, it's about a robot named Dave uh, running for president against a guy named Sam, who is a robot built off of the internet. Sure. Yeah, so Dave um, hacks into Duder, which is essentially Google, and uses some kind of weird program thing to brainwash every person connected to Duder and make them want to vote for him. Dave finds out about sure. this. Yeah, Dave finds out about this. Uh, sees that uh, Sam is using the power to like Sam is using this to like suck everybody's power out of them to make him like the ultimate being. I think. Yeah, and then the two of them get into a big fucking space fight. 
It's like going, okay. yeah, like a uh, Dave is trying to Dave's trying to hunt down Sam and like take him out, and yeah, they go into fucking space because <laughs> you know, of course they do. Why not? Robots in space. Yeah, they fly. Into, yeah, they fly into space on a uh, Dave's whole fucking on like a uh, Sam's little like floating podium. And it looks pretty great. Uh, and then Sam rips Dave's heart out. And Dave starts dying. Then Scotty gets himself, Scotty gets himself a big hero moment. Um, just ripping Sam's head off, crushing him, fighting him, fighting him off with a fucking like robot cab and a bunch of fucking Dave bots. Those little fucking Lego dudes who were kind of in all the marketing. Okay. And go ahead. No, I, I didn't have anything else. It's like, that sounds cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then uh, Dave and Scotty kind of have a really great moment together. Like Dave's dying in front of the suit, in front of the, like the central computer. And the two of them, and the two of them do like have a really heartfelt moment as Dave's, as Dave's like, Hey, I'm fucking proud of you, son. You, despite everything that you kind of fucking arms, you're still my fucking kid. Go home and fucking be with your boyfriend. And then Dave dies. Flash forward to a year later where Dave's wife is now the president of Earth. And. Yeah, it's just like a really, a really weird kind of somber ending to this fucking book. Well, from what you've told me about Daveocracy, while it had its very comedic moments that tended to be a little bit more serious and somber on the whole, but it just yeah, a little bit. Like, kept of, uplifting you. Yeah, like of the Dave books, I feel like this is kind of the weakest one so far. And well, this is the third one, right? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, Dave okay, and Dave 2. I've, I've read the first one. The first one's really good. I have yeah, not the first one is Daveocracy fucking two. great. Uh, it's not Daveocracy 2, it's just Dave 2. Okay. Yeah, it's Dave, Dave 2, Daveocracy. And so going into this, it, I understand why this book got made because I follow American politics slightly. And so it was about taking a fairly sensible guy, guy and putting him up against a fucking lunatic in a presidential bid and just seeing what happens from that in the Dave world. Dave is not the kind of book I come to for politics in any stretch. <laughs> for, well, um, from what you've told me about it, um, it's a little too crazy to be politically cognizant. A little bit. Because it's like how... Um, People complained about Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland having political metaphors because it's like it's too insane. It's like, how are you supposed to have a world political metaphor about crazy people? Yeah. Yeah. Like having the like having any fucking thing involved with like like actual like structure with uh, like having anything with structure in Wonderland is kind of crazy. Yeah. 
and like not a good idea. And with this, this world, it is a crazy world, but like it does have rules. It does have like an actual structure of things. It's just that structure is always kind of on the outside, on the periphery of things. It's not really something that you spend a lot of time looking at. Like there's a like there's a thing in this world uh, where, um, like the head of like an oil company are like the two fucking most powerful people in the world, the the head of Shell. And a lot of time we see them, they are like these just fucking fat ass robots with like pipes leading into their nose that are constantly feeding them oil and gasoline. And that's kind of as far into like a yeah, that's kind of as far into like politics as I want to get with Dave. Okay. But having something that is all about like uh but having something about this is having something like this about like actual facts politics is just weird. Especially weird to have a book about politics in a in a book that has the lines fuck fuckity frick feck. Yeah, and, usually when you're doing... But, yeah, and mother-grabbing fudge suckle. Yeah, the thing about when you're doing political commentary, in order for it to work, the, either the world has to be built with the idea that you can make effective metaphors throughout. And But from what it sounds like you're telling me, it sounds like pieces of it are trying to do political commentary, but those pieces don't fit with everything you've already seen. Yeah. And that can be a problem. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's impossible to weave a real world political uh, commentary story into a fantasy set and fantasy or sci-fi setting that's already been established. But you kind of have to be careful about it, and it can't feel like it's just going. This is the book that ends with. This is the book that ends with a fist fight between robots in space. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you can't get fucking political with that shit. I'm just saying you need to work it properly. And this kind of doesn't. It's just like, hey, we got this political story, but then also Dave is happening. And like the Dave shit is good. Like this is like Ryan Ferrier still knows how to write these characters interestingly and still knows how to write them fun. It's just trying to make it about politics, especially with the politics that are happening. Yeah. I don't know. Like th- I want this Fred's is back. Yeah, this is not this is not a terrible book by any stretch. It's not even a bad book by any stretch. It's just not what I come to Dave for. It's mi- misguided. A little bit. Like I fucking would have, I would have fucking like picked up this book if it was just about like fucking Scotty and Brad's relationship troubles. Yeah, because well, I find that relationship like based on that. That sounds like that's based on the characters that were already established, and that's just a development on things you already know. Yeah, but it's it, it sounds like from what you're telling me that this just comes out of left field. A little bit, like like I didn't even I didn't even really know that the robot world had a president. I mean, the fact that it was a Roomba is funny, but like that's kind of the beginning and end of the joke. 
Like, hey, for the past 300 years, our fucking president has been this emotionless, thoughtless vacuum cleaner. Yay. And if I can read through the last issue, they actually say drain the swamp. Fuck. Anyway. That's Davocracy. If you're a fan of the other if you're a fan of the other Dave books, you'll probably get something out of this, but if you haven't read the other Dave books, read them first. Anyway. Birdie. Alright, well speaking of um books that remind me of stupid decisions Marvel's been making lately, uh Deadpool Back in Black is really good and it makes me miss this black cat. <laughs> This was a weird idea. <laughs> like, I get why they did it, because I feel like this was a test to see whether or not people... Would, like, think, I think they wanted to test whether or not people wanted to go back to the Eddie Brock version of Venom. And clearly, that was the decision, although I kind of don't... I didn't want them to, but it's no, don't. out go, of my hands. Go back to the fucking Flash Thompson Venom. Yeah. Yeah, because they're... I know that Eddie Brock Venom is, uh, I guess, arguably more iconic in a lot of people's minds as to what Venom is, but he's far less interesting. <laughs> yeah, and like Eddie had so much, and like Flash had so much shit they never really got to resolve. Yep. Like, what the fuck happened? But anyway, with, like, what the fuck happened with Mayhem? I don't know. Well, uh, last I checked, uh, she was possessed by Satan. Of course, she fucking is. She was separated from the symbiote. Or the or the Satan or the Satan symbol ate through the symbiote and tried to consume her. I, I don't know. Fuck whatever. Anyway, um, yeah. So this book was fun, but I had no idea what was happening because okay. So if anyone doesn't know this story, so during the uh, Secret Wars event in the mid eighties. Spider-Man ended up with a sleek new black costume that he thought was from like a costume maker machine, but was actually a prison containing an alien creature known as a symbiote, which bonded to him. And later, when he separated from the symbiote, it later bonded to someone named Eddie Brock to become one of Spider-Man's more popular enemies, Venom. So this story, in its infinite weirdness decides that in between leaving Spider-Man and joining Eddie Brock, it says, hey, let's join with the crazy, stupid douchebag guy and see what the fuck happens. Yeah, that sounds like Venom. <laughs> so Deadpool you know, you know, is being, wondering... You know, being the guardian of the universe and all. Oh. Uh, okay, actually, does this take place before or after that retcon? No, before, because this is, like, immediately after Spider-Man got rid of the symbiote originally in the at, at, during the 80s, before he became the original Eddie Brock Venom. Okay. So, this is working from the symbiote as a monster that wants to uh, get revenge on Spider-Man for betraying their bond, that version of Venom. So, so, so the idea that they go with is, let's go with the guy who has three different personalities in his head, add another one and see what happens. Yeah, and that basically plays out where 
each of the other personalities tries to talk with the Venom symbiote, and there are times where the symbiote takes over and starts acting a little bit more violent. But a lot of the times, oh it's my just word, Deadpool. Deadpool acting violent, violent in more like cannibalistic ways, not like homicidal ways. Where he's like, "Dude, dude, I try not to eat Indian people anymore." <laughs> I might be thinking of the wrong franchise when I make that line, because that might just be Trevor from Grand Theft Auto, but it it was something similar to that, because, um, so, uh, um, Black Cat, the good version of Black Cat, shows up and sees Deadpool in the black costume and thinks it's Peter, but naturally he's, he's just silent the whole time because this chick's hot, and I, if I talk, I will ruin this. <laughs> Yeah, again, that's about right. <laughs> At least Deadpool's sapient about the fact that he yeah. will fucking destroy any relationship he gets into. Yeah. Well, except with the Queen of Monsters. Nope, even that he fucked up. Oh, right. I forgot about the future storyline. I didn't read that. No, not even the future but, storyline. Um, In the current storyline. The two of them are divorced. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's married to Dracula now. Which I thought she was against the whole... Never mind. Uh, never yeah. mind. Never yeah, she, mind. She was against, she was against the whole time. Really, uh, marriage to Deadpool sucked. So she's like, hey, Drake, you want to go fucking try this shit again? Yeah, sure, fuck it. It's like, uh, fuck, never mind. But anyway, so he's trying to make the moves on Black Cat without opening his mouth, <laughs> which is a feat for Deadpool. Yep. And is interrupted by a obscure, strange... Spider-Man villain known as White Rabbit, who has a has a group of uh, bomb-carrying killer rabbits that are helping her commit crimes. Does she and look at all have... like Danny DeVito? No. Fuck. And it gets bonkers. Particularly when two uh, two alien bounty hunters looking for the symbiote show up trying to extract it from Deadpool. Things get violent. Things get cannibalish. Uh, Deadpool's I would say you don't. Why. I would say you don't say. But at this point, <laughs> it's hard to predict a Deadpool comic. <laughs> yeah, which is why everything you've said have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just like assume. Yeah, eh, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's how Deadpool do. Uh, but anyway, um, which is why it kind of sucks now that he's having to fucking work for fucking Hydra because fuck, he murdered Coulson just cause Cap was like, "Hey, kill Coulson." Okay. <sighs> yeah, but um, fucking Secret Empire piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, after that, uh, well, it, Black Cat gets knocked out in the fight by a rabbit bomb. Because, sure. Yeah, naturally. Uh, but that, that's how it goes. And, and the ensuing chaos between the criminal with rabbit bombs and the alien heavily armed bounty hunters. Uh, the bounty hunters get damaged enough that they have to retreat. And the, the rabbit lady is knocked unconscious and tossed into a garbage bin. And at some point... Um, Deadpool develops a conscience, I guess, and is like, you know, I'm not the guy she expects under the suit, so it would probably be wrong of me to do anything. Hopefully she gets with him. 
and then he just leaves. And they spent and the last two issues are other people mistaking him for Spider-Man and fighting him while he's attempting to fight the more cannibalistic urges of the symbiote, particularly in the third issue when he's fighting uh, Craven. Why would anybody off. confuse that suit? Like, do these people because, just not, do these people like not have an eye for design? Like, the whole fucking black and white color scheme is totally different than Spider Man's. Okay, so when it goes more Venom esque, it goes it looks a little bit more like the way Spider Man's black suit costume looks, but it sure it sure as shit does not. Um, it look as it. I mean, besides the fact that he's a foot bigger, it it looks way more monsterish than Spider-Man's. But but that always confused me when they first introduced Venom that people were mistaking him for Spider-Man. Yeah, it's like, oh, Spider-Man, you appear to be built like a brick shit house now. What happened? Wait, you're not Spider-Man. I am surprised. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot who also shows up randomly in this. Uh, Aaron Stack, the machine man. <laughs> Cause sure. <laughs> Apparently he and Deadpool have a history. Yeah. And also power pack. Okay. That one's fucking confusing. <laughs> They're fighting alien dinosaurs with power armor. Of course. That I don't I don't know. <laughs> have you ever read anything with Power Pack? Like anything like any like Power Pack? I have book? actually. I've read I've read some of the minor Power Pack side books, and they're they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just not really my thing. The only history with Power Pack I have is from the Runaways. Yeah, and the, the only the the weird thing the only weird thing about um, the Power Pack issue is that there's a a sleazy looking clown. Doing a, an act when the when the robots uh, the the alien dinos in ro and power armor attack and at the end of it this guy who looks almost kind of too much like Pennywise the clown is asking the children if they need a ki a clown sidekick. No, <laughs> they don't. Yes, that was just bizarre. But anyway, um. Yeah, I also just kind of so, hate. I also kind of hate Power Pack, actually. Okay. Just I, it's tied. It's tied to my hate with Dennis Hopeless. Because in Avengers Arena, there's a point where Carolina just tells Molly to fuck off when Molly is worried about their fucking teammates because she's trying to get with one of the Power Pack kids because they're older now. And it is something that is so fucking infuriating to me. Or it's like, oh, you're just a child. Nobody should fucking listen to you. Like, I can understand that coming from, like, fucking Hank Pym or whatever. But not from one of her fucking teammates. Like, after a certain point, no matter the age, you give your teammates the benefit of the doubt. I don't care how good the puss you're chasing is. Yeah, but that's just that. That was a badly written book. So that yes, it was. And that's kind of that. Like I said, that shit like that is kind of why I hate that book, and I hated Dennis Hopeless for a while. Okay, that's fair. I never read that book because he did that shit to problem. fucking because he did that shit to my favorite fucking superhero team. Anyway, 
But yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's just it makes no sense that this turns out the way it does. But it's just fun to watch um, Sp- Spider the other Spider Man wander the, to watch Deadpool wander around in the Venom symbiote for a while, as stupid as it looks. And it all it ends with the it ends it tries to do the haha you know this is coming thing like a lot of stuff that's aware of the storylines that it's pulling from do where it basically just says eventually the symbiote gets sick of the other brains it's talking with but they split up and then in a, and then the last thing you see is Eddie Brock walking into the church with a gun to kill himself before the symbiote takes him. Mm-hmm. And it just ends on that, which it's kind of a weirdly somber note to end on when this is a fucking Deadpool with a symbiote story <laughs> where he's when he's fighting alien robots, he just bites their heads off. Yeah, that, you, how you do. It's kind of hard to come back from that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But I mean, the art's really good. It's I can't remember the artist. It's the guy who does a lot of the Deadpool stuff, so it it looks good. It's just that those moments of darker material don't really work with a silly Deadpool story. Yeah, and it's a uh, Colin Bunn too, right? Uh, yeah, it's written by Colin Bunn. Uh, Salva Espin is the artist. Uh, I mean, it works, but it, again, it works for the silly stuff. It doesn't really work for more somber moments. Like, I mean, it works for moments like when Deadpool's holding cat, Black Cat's unconscious body and says, you know, I could make out with her, but one, she's unconscious, and two, even if she'd want me, she'd, because she'd think I'm someone else, and I don't know, some part of what must have been a conscious at some point would be feel that's wrong. <laughs> and the white box sounds like, damn right, would. <laughs> but yeah, um... I was glad I read this, and it made me miss the version of Black Cat that was just about, look, fuck, Peter, chill out, have some fun, being Spider-Man is not all gloom and angst. <laughs> Which he kind of needs. Yeah. Because that's kind of all, because like, outside of him being a knockoff Iron Man, that's kind of all he's been. Lately. Yeah, recently. <laughs> yeah, he's not been. Yeah, spy, the weirdest thing was in the final... And that, and like before he got Civil War two, Tony Stark was acting more like Spider Man when Peter was acting more like Iron Man. Yeah, I don't get that at all. I don't know. Maybe there was like a fucking mind swap where like they were like, oh wait, like all of a sudden fucking uh, like Brian Michael Bendis thinks he's writing Spider Man again, and then Dan Slott's like, oh, I'm writing Iron Man now. Cool. Nobody had the nerve to tell them. Yeah, no one had the nerve to tell Dan Slott that nobody likes this villain version of Black Cat. Nobody. Nobody. Like she's always, the, she's the least, she's easily the most bold. Like, I, I understand a lot of people had problems with Black Cat and that she was clearly a Catwoman knockoff from the very beginning. I get yeah. that. But they did interesting stuff enough with her character. Her brief relationship with Spider-Man in the 80s had its high and low points, which I might talk about later. Uh, but... No, this version, this idea of Black Cat, it's she's just another villain. It's the same thing they did with Hulk. Like, it, it, it could have been more interesting, but you literally just made her boring. Yep. 
So yeah, great book. Uh, fuck what Mar- Dan Slot did to Black Cat. Aye, cool. So, on to my next book, uh, Eternal Empire. Uh, this is the new book from uh, Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. Uh, they are the ones. Well, at least, at least Luna was. I'm not sure about Vaughn. Um, let me just double check that. Trying to remember the fucking name of this book. It was a, it was a book I really liked too. Okay. No, I mean uh, the the uh, other fuck uh, the Luna Alex and Ada. That's that was it. It's from yeah, it's from Alex and Ada guy. Oh, Alex and Ada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the Lunas. Well, from a Luna. Oh, it's not the same too. I thought I thought both of the people that worked on Alex and Ada were Lunas. Uh, nope. One's Jonathan Luna. The other Sarah Vaughn. Okay. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, so but, um, Jonathan Luna, Sarah Vaughn, uh, they're both working on this book, uh, and it is, it's a bit of a departure from Alex and Ada. As I recall, it, Alex and Ada was uh, like a speculative story about falling in love with a machine. Yeah, it was about, a, yeah, Alex and Ada was about, um, like, it's, it's in a world where they're like, robots are a thing that are just kind of out in society, they have them for all purposes, people get them for all purposes. But there's still the risk of them like sometimes going sentient, and when they are sentient, they have to fucking like shut them down. Uh, Alex gets a robot called Data, and he begins giving her sentience, and she like begins like becoming a person. The two of them end up falling in love. The whole thing. It was a nice book. Uh, this is some kind of sci-fi fantasy thing. Set in a whole different planet with different continents and societies and names of places that I will never be able to remember. But point of it is focusing on two characters, uh, one of them from a colder environment, one of them from a warmer environment, and both of their countries have been taken over by the Eternal Empire. This empire ruled by a supposedly immortal queen, god person, who is who has forced both of them into slave? Who's forced both their peoples into slavery? Uh, one of them, a lady. Uh, she is working in these fucking fields, and she begins having visions—visions visions of like a city in this horrible fucking heat, and visions of the three suns that make up this planet aligning into into a perfect triangle. She then manages to break out one night. And run away to a place where she believes her, where she believes like her visions are leading her. In the second issue, we get a different guy. This guy is a guy in the city. He's in this, he's in this like horrible place where everything's hot and they're like, it's basically Egypt. And he's a Jew in Egypt. But then he starts having visions of somebody picking shit in a fucking field. So he makes his escape and, and makes it to where this lady is. And it turns out the two of them have fire hand powers. Because they get close to each other and all of a sudden their hands fucking burst into flames. Uh, and they can also use that flame to make lightsabers and shit. Because the second volume, because the second issue ends with the two of them forming fire sabers as the guards around them are like, oh fuck, what are we going to do? As it is, it is a... 
it's decent setup. They've introduced a lot so of. You're not, you're not far enough in to get a sense of where it's going yet. Yeah, I have no real idea where this is going. Uh, it. If I had to guess, it's about these two working together to overthrow the Eternal Empire and also fall in love with each other because, of course, the Luna story. <laughs> I think it's a Vaughn story. I think Luna does the art. Oh, okay. Well, same. It's the same kind of story as Alex and Ada. Oh no! Wait, the Vaughn and Luna both do the story. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a similar. It it does have kind of a similar feel to it. Like it is it is definitely not the same kind of story. Because, like I said, it is a story about weird fucking other worlds and like different continents and like empires and shit. And it's not. Hey, it's in the not too distant future. But yeah, it is. I'm not really sure what it is. Like, I don't not like it. Okay. I find, I think the world is stuff we've seen before, but I, but like, you know, I, I don't hate it. Uh, the artwork is as good as it was in, um, in Alex and Ada. Uh, it's just there. It's just like this guy is getting more opportunity to do like a bit more interesting things with it. Like instead of just drawing like hey regular metropolis cities or whatever, it is hey I'm drawing fucking like desert wastelands and weird fucking catacombs and like ancient Egyptian esque cities and huge fucking forest escapes and shit. Also the fire savers. This feels like them kind of getting a chance to do more. This just get like bigger things happening with them, which hey, I'm down for. Right. Fucking Alex Nada was great, and this sure. it's just a bit of a slow start right now. Yeah, well, that's happening. The same could be said for um, what is that book? The um, the one where death is a battlefield. Uh, uh, shit. The the Mark Millar book, um, where when you die, you go to a fantasy world and fight a war. Oh, Rebirth. Rebirth, yeah. No, Reborn, sorry, fuck. Reborn, yeah. Where the, As I recall from the first two or three issues of that, that also took a while to make sense. Yeah. I stopped, but I stopped before it started making sense, I think. Yeah, well, maybe Nico could fill us in at some point. Yeah, last issue I read, fucking the main character met a pr- met a friend of hers, who's now like a queen god bitch, or something. I don't know. Anyway, Birdie. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What kind of stupid do I want to end on? Um. <laughs> It's a battle sometimes. You don't know what kind of stupid you want to read. Um, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, let's talk about Spider-Man Feral. Okay. This was dumb. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to tell you the premise. Okay. Let's do this. Um, so an obscure mutant named Vincent, uh, Dr. Vincent Stegron, the dinosaur man, 
Oh yeah, Stagron. Finds a, yeah, finds a meteorite that uh, emits radiation, which in, it enhances the animalistic reptilian urges in your brain. So all of the animal-based supervillains start going nuts. Yeah, naturally. So yeah, Kurt Connors becomes the the lizard. Uh, there's a rat man, I guess. Uh, John Jameson becomes the man wolf, even though it's normally a cosmic thing, not a genetic thing. Uh, Black Cat finds herself becoming more and more feral and animalistic. Also, and apparently, it affects people who've had genetic mutations performed on them in some way. I, I didn't think she actually had cat powers. I thought that was just like the bad luck thing, but whatever. But, um, so this involves a startling amount of stuff, considering how much this is just a Spider-Man story because, um, the fantastic four show up so that Reed Richards can figure out why people are turning more animalistic, animalistic and crazy. Uh, Iron Man shows up to help Trank the Man-Wolf because this is the period where Mary Jane and Peter are staying in Avengers Tower. And because this is also that period, Spider-Man fights off the Lizard and the Rat-Man and Stigron using that gaudy uh, Iron Spider outfit. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. And it's stupid, it's ridiculous, it gets pretty bloody and violent at points, and there's this random bit where, I guess the New York version of a hillbilly shows up because the lizard is fighting Spider-Man, he's like, and eh, them gators came out of the sewers, get my gun, Edith. So somebody from South Jersey? I guess, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, also it turns out, um... Dr. Connor's son also got experimented on, so he also turns into a lizard when this happens. Yeah, Just of course. Kid, kid lizard. Kidzard, if you will. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just... It's super violent. It's super stupidly designed. Like, I first thought it was, like, the happening, because... There's also this weird bit where some people become so violent they try to kill themselves or hurt <laughs> other people. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that like, makes sense. That is that is logic. <laughs> Bringing out the animal instincts in people always makes people commit suicide. Yeah, it's, it's, it says this is written by someone, but it's like, maybe it's written by Shyamalan and I just don't know. No, don't say his real name. You give him power. All right, Shamalian. Pretty soon, pretty soon, we're gonna get a fucking announcement that Devil Two is happening. <laughs> no, I think he's firmly invested in the what do you call it? Um, the Unbreakable Universe. Yeah, the Unbreakable Universe. <laughs> yeah, remember, kids, never say M Night Somalian's real name. Yep. But anyway, uh, every time every time you say his name, he gets a million dollars added to his next shitty horror movie. But like for the most part, it's it's really well drawn and it's silly. And like I said, watching Spider Man in his stupid Iron Spider outfit fight a dinosaur man is entertaining. 
Yeah. But um, this was also a period where a rather bizarre artist was working on Spider-Man books. And I'm not sure how I feel about this artist. (laughs) Because the way he draws fight scenes are incredibly detailed, but also really distracting. <laughs> like, um... Is that Angel Medina? I think so. That It's, it's from... It's a, uh... There's, the, most of the comic is more sort of traditionally comic book art, but there's another bit. There's one issue where it looks more like this. Let's see. And while well, the detail is impressive, the choice, like the line work and the coloring and the shaping, is very, very distracting. Particularly with more monstrous animalistic designs, and particularly with Black Cat, because the way they choose to draw her, it's it's kind of. Like she, the artist doesn't know how to draw a female, so it looks like a a man with like soccer balls glued oh, to what, his. What what is this? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And in like, the case of I, that, that what the issue I just showed you is from Venom versus Carnage. In that case, the entire book is drawn like that. Like in that, the case of uh, Spider-Man bla- Feral, it's just one issue. The, that black this, cat got some fucking real shitty weightlifter boobs. Yeah. Like I said, this artist is not clearly not good at drawing. She, she, this artist can barely draw masculine, um, st- masculine body types while clearly can't do females. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that there was only one issue of this. Yeah, so can you see why this art style would be distracting? Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, I don't see this anymore. I think this was just a very brief period in the mid-2000s when this person was getting work, but it's very distracting. Looks it. But other than that, um, it's kind of hard to say much else about this because it's just... This was in that period where Black Cat had gotten over the fact that Peter was married to someone else and was trying her best to be with other men, even though pretty from, from a lot of the comics around this time, people were like, yeah, you still want to fuck Spider-Man, don't you? It's, I, yeah. There's this problem she, is, there's, there's the problem is that he's also another guy, and that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, but in this... Black Cat is currently dating some guy named Michael Fireheart, aka the Puma, who is I. I'm not familiar with this guy all that much. He seems to be like a more animalistic version of like Black Panther, where he's like a rich African man, but he has a curse that turns him into a feral cat man. <laughs> because sure. <laughs> yeah, naturally. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fun story. Like I said, if for nothing else, um, okay. So my two favorite moments are a 
uh, Spider-Man in the stupid Iron Spider outfit versus a Dinosaur Man. That's just fun to watch. Yeah. And two, um, when Reed Richards is using, um, it, it, Reed Richards is trying to com- is communicating to Spider-Man through uh, Susan Storm's uh, tel- uh, tele- telepathic abilities, and they're te- talking back and forth. And there's just this one Susan Storm line. She's like, "God, why do all these loner?" superheroes ask question after question it's infuriating <laughs> <laughs> uh. kind of liked that just like a general female superheroes having a general exasperation with other superheroes in the community is just kind of something I enjoy yeah I also just kind of enjoy like Spider-Man fighting dinosaur people like it happened before in the well it happened I guess after this in um Spider-Man and the X-Men where like yeah, a, I remember that. You know, like Sauron yeah, took that her. That was Stegron. That was uh, that was Sauron. Sauron, yeah. Well, well the, Sauron and Stegron, they were working together, and he was talking to Sauron. Yeah. It's like, it's like, why turn everybody into dinosaurs? You have all this fucking power. Just cure cancer. And Sauron's like, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn everybody into dinosaurs. Yeah, I remember that. that Sauron's just like, that made me well, laugh. that makes sense. I guess I can appreciate that, but you know, punch. Ah, <laughs> uh, everyone, Spider Man was fun. Yeah, remember when other characters in the in his universe wanted him to be fun? <laughs> I miss that. Yeah, everything so, kind yeah, of started um, going downhill after Jay oh. Jonah's wife died. Yeah. Well, I would just say, uh, outside of that, bre- it was weird when Dan Slott initially got out of the the stupid grim dark maudlin shit after one more day it seemed like a breath of fresh air with uh uh big time yeah but almost immediately after that superior spider-man and then after that just completely downhill yep but yeah um hey coming soon we have the fall of spider-man sorry the fall of peter parker Whatever. It, it, Maybe Peter Parker will be it, homeless. He'll live in that cardboard box of that same girl who died of kidney failure. Whatever. Don't care. <laughs> um, in any case, um, yeah, now that's over. Uh, I did enjoy reading this. I Also, in the middle of the fight with Stegron, uh, this feels like a, a, an old classic Spider-Man moment that I missed. Where he's like, wait, is that a Velociraptor? Webs it up. Okay, now back to whatever I was doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah, those were the days. Spider-Man. Those were the days. <laughs> back then, things were happy. J. Jonah Jameson was just some fucking Charlie Chaplin with the brush cut looking motherfucker who was just a piece of shit and not like in a position of real power. Silk yeah. wasn't, Silk didn't exist. Black Cat was fun. Miles Morales had a mentor he could actually look up to. <sighs> good times. Yep. But anyway, hey, speaking um, of good times, let's talk about ancient Greece. Because, okay. Because I read Kill the Minotaur. I have never heard of this. It is a brand new book. From, I think, Image? 
Yeah, Image. Sounds like something Image would do. Yeah, uh, written by uh, Chris Passetto and Christian Cantamesa. Sorry if I mispronounced any of your names. Uh, with art by Lucas Kettner. And it is cool. Yeah, it's well, about um, it, it's about Theseus, the prince of Athens, uh, going to the nation of Crete in order to murder the Minotaur. Yeah, yeah, and the classic, one of the best-known Greek mythology stories. Yep, but this time doing it as kind of a revenge comic because oh. it, because yeah, it starts out with um with King Minos on the like standing on the edge of I guess like the center of the labyrinth. Or something. Okay. I, think, I think this is before like Labyrinth really started getting a thing. And he threw his, you know, you know, his son that is the Minotaur, and he threw him into this fucking thing to keep from murdering everybody. So then he so then uh, Minos uh decides to go to war with Athens in order to keep getting in order to keep getting his uh, son's sacrifices. So then flash forward to eight years later, and we got Theseus. Who is just the prettiest princess? Uh, he prince. Yes, he's prince. You said the prettiest princess. I'm aware. Okay, uh, I thought I wasn't sure if that was a mistake or intentional. I, it could be either way. Yeah, he has really nice hair. I see. Okay. Yeah, like even I'm pretty sure, like even the guy who he's training with, like it starts out with him having a sword fight with somebody like training. And even that guy is like, Hey, fucko. Wait, nice wait hair. No, I have to ask. This is, I have to ask. This is ancient Greece. Is it sword fight or sword fight? Sword. Well, like metal sword. They're in, okay. they're wearing armor. I, I have to ask. Cause it is ancient Greece. I'm aware, <laughs> but no, they're wearing armor. And yeah, so we, uh, and so we see what's kind of been going on for the past eight years where, Every once in a while, uh, somebody from Crete, like like a giant Crete, like a giant like Cretan ship, will show up carrying a dude in a robe with a metal bull hem- helmet on, and a bunch of soldiers as they go into the village and the town and just take people, just taking every, just taking all the pretty people and like just for sacrifice. Uh, so Theseus and his buddy. Uh, they're getting into they're getting into a big fucking argument because Theseus is like, oh fuck this noise, we are doing this. We I am stopping these motherfuckers from taking people. And his buddy's like, Dave, we do this, everyone dies. So yeah, all this happening. Theseus is having like a crisis of conscience because he has to fucking beat up a guy with one leg because he is attacking the Cretan soldiers. Okay. Or I guess Cretan soldiers. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure what the. I'm not sure what the word for people from Crete is. I was just kind of referring to them as the Minians because while it's the island of Crete, it's Minos's kingdom. So I was calling them Minians, but that's a you can. I would. Cretan sounds most correct to me, but I could be wrong. Okay. So anyway, uh, Theseus and his buddy are hanging out afterwards, talking about Heracles. Saying like, "Hey, I've and Theseus is drunk off no, his ass." No, that guy's ass. a dick. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, but Theseus is drink. Theseus is drunk off his ass. Sure. But he is he is drinking wine by the gourd. And then the priest shows up and is like, "Hey, fuckos, uh, help me, King! Help me kill King Minos! Help me, King! Help me kill King Minos and his fucking monster!" 
then they agree to it and head on over to and head on over to Crete where the labyrinth is now just this massive fucking fortress. Like when we see it from the outside, it stretches on for fucking miles in either direction made of just this weird, like almost HR Giger looking material where it is just all black, but has like these weird lines running throughout it that almost look like veins. Well, you know, if you wanted to be trapped some way that would make you uncomfortable, a, a maze made by H.R. Giger would do the trick. Oh, hell yeah. And it is massive, too. Like, we see, like, when when they see it, uh, the like, we get a fairly large, like, aerial shot. Uh, because we, like, we see the boat that they're on. It is the boat they, it's the boat that showed up before, and it was fucking massive. It's now relatively tiny, and we see the fucking, this thing stretch on for miles until it just, the guy just runs out of area to put in detail. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, um, I I don't know if you've ever read the uh, Percy Jackson books. I watched the movies. Those are shit. Yes, Um, they are. In the fourth book, uh, it's discussed, like, in the universe, uh, everything from Greek mythology has translated into North America in some way. And and part of that is uh, Daedalus' Labyrinth, which can easily stretch from Olympus, which is in New York City, to Los Angeles, because it, it parts of it cover all of North America. Uh-huh. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm fully I'm fully cognizant of the idea that the labyrinth would be huge if it were shown. Yeah, and it would uh, be much of a labyrinth if it weren't. <laughs> nope. And so, yeah, uh, they get they get to Crete, and King Minos King Minos uh, shows up, and he is he's this big fucking boisterous asshole. He's a um, dick. He's a dick. <laughs> yeah, like 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 one guy, uh, he starts like coughing, and so Minos grabs one of the guard's swords, stabs him through the stomach, and throws him into the fucking ocean, and then has the guard whose sword he used take his place as a sacrifice. And it was like, oh hey, we got fucking sick person blood in the amphitheater. Tear this bitch down and rebuild it, using all of his own people as slaves. And yeah, like this, this art, art in this book is really good. It is, uh, it reminded me kind of a bit in the beginning of like a Ryan Otley kind of thing. But as it goes on, it yeah. is, it is very much, it, it very much fits the style they're going for. Like it is, the guy who's doing this, Lucas Kettner, is real good at doing gore, real good at doing facial expressions, real good at doing like fairly huge landscape shots with a decent amount of detail in them. Has he had to do fucking yet? Because it is Greece. Not yet. But soon, probably, because you mentioned heroes earlier on. Yeah, it is like this guy could do a really good book about Caligula. Yeah, so getting into the next issue, it looks like they're just going to be like fucking throwing them straight into the goddamn labyrinth because they drugged everybody and revealed like, hey, Prince Theseus, I know you're fucking here. Guess what? I already drugged you, you piece of shit. No, when you say fu- I, I actually you answered it. There's no fucking. So it's like when you said fucking here, I said, you know, Theseus did fuck around with a lot of Minus's daughters. So yeah, they, they have they haven't gotten into any of that yet. They've shown one of Minus's daughters, and she is not into what's going on. Yeah, well, none of like Ari- uh, as far as I understand, it, Minus um, besides Ariadne, who helped Theseus get out of the labyrinth. Um, None of Minus's daughters liked him. 
and when his um, <laughs> and also that I think they end up going with Daedalus later. <laughs> uh, wait, Not like sexually, but oh, and this uh, Daedalus is dead actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. But never yeah, mind. yeah, yeah he's mean, yeah actually he's the priest. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy yeah, who because like yeah, it's, just, it's one of the things about the labyrinth was always whether or not Daedalus was tied to the labyrinth or not. That was always kind of up in the air. But yeah, in in this, Daedalus is the one who built the labyrinth. He kind of he kind of like cared for it and helped uh just and helped decide who would be the sacrifice taken from taken from uh, Athens. But then in this, he's like, but then in this, he's like, sees what's happening. He's like, hey, we need to fucking end this. This is fucking. This has gone on too long, and fucking King Minos will destroy the world if this keeps happening. So, hey, Theseus, help me out with this. And then, and then Minos cuts off Daedalus's head and stuffs it inside of a pig. That is then served. Yeah, that, for, like- that is then served for dinner, and Daedalus's body is kind of left sitting in the seat with the cow hat on. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds. What some like something Minos would do. Yep. It actually, it actually kind of sounds like um, what um, happened in Titus Andronicus. Do you remember how that um, William Shakespeare play ended? Yes, I do. <laughs> I've seen the South Park episode. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Kill the Minotaur is cool. It is like some fucking straight up Greek mythology just coming at you raw. Yeah. And with real with real good artwork and a decent write and some decent writing behind it. So well, there's a reason there's a reason the Greek myths have persisted. So yeah. I can see why adapting them to stories outside of stuff like Wonder Woman taking and doing with the Greek mythology what they wish, sometimes better, sometimes not. Totally nothing wrong with a good comic artist taking one of the stories and trying to do a his own adaptation of it. Yeah, and I'm kind of liking this version of Theseus. Like, yeah, he's kind of a dick, but he like tries. Like he he's a yeah, dick. Well, and, I mean, yeah, he's a dick and kind of an idiot, but he his heart's in the right ish place. Yeah, well, that tends to be the case with the more the more heroic Greek heroes. Like, there are some that even the Greeks thought were flawed. But, like, the more heroic Greek heroes are the ones that tended to start cities or are well-beloved for their aspect, their contributions to Greek civilization. And they were, but most of, even most of them were seen ultimately as being humanly flawed, like the, just like how the gods were, which is always when I found it funny. People said, you should aspire, in Greek myths, you aspire to be like the gods. Like, who would aspire to be like the Greek gods? Like, yeah, I no, two or like, three, they're assholes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, one day I want to be the kind of guy who turns into a goose and rapes people. One day I want to be the kind of person who gets so horribly jealous I invent spiders. That seems like the kind of person you want. Like, yeah, the Greek gods were the fucking DC characters of the past. Not relatable, but the ones you aspired to be like. Yeah. Ugh. Kill the Minotaur. It's cool. Uh, first issue is the only issue out so far. Um, other issues coming out soon. Check it out. It's cool. Awesome. Yeah. So then, those are what we're reading then. On to news. So, 
First up, uh, DC Comics has announced that taking over on issue 31 will be a new creative team for Wonder Woman. Yeah, Jay Robinson, I think. Yep, we got James Robinson, Carlo Pegulian, and Emmanuel Lupacino. Sorry if I pronounced any of those last two names wrong. But yeah, it'll I don't be... know James Robinson from anything, so that doesn't mean much to me. Uh, James Robinson is a intermittently great, intermittently terrible writer. Okay. Yeah, he uh, did Airboy. Uh, he did Starman. Uh, he worked in Just Society a bit, but then he also did Gay for Justice. Oh. Yeah. Uh, like and I said. together, we can be a shitty story. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah, so he, like I said, he, he is kind of a mixed bag. But uh, yeah. he, Carlo, and Emanuela will be taking over the bi-weekly series for six months. Uh, kicking off with a storyline uh, called Children of the Gods, which deals with uh, Wonder Woman's long-lost brother. Yeah, I heard about this. I said, like, oh, why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the so, only time I liked when they talked about Wonder Woman's family was when they talked in New 52, when they talked about it in the context of, you know, the Greek gods are dicks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this storyline... As described in the press release, quote, Spinning out from the pages of DC Universe Rebirth and Justice League Dark Side War, Robinson, Pagulian, and Lupacino, again, sorry, will answer one of the biggest questions of the year. Who is Wonder Woman's brother? Taken away from Themyscira in the dead of night, the mysterious Jason, the only male ever born on the island, has been hidden somewhere far from the sight of gods and men. But his life and Wonder Woman's are about to intersect in a terrifying way, bringing them face to face with a cosmic threat they never imagined. Is it Dark Side? Well, you mentioned Dark Side, so sure, probably. Also, I. <sighs> the New Fifty Two introduced the element that every person born on Themyscira was actually was actually like real conceived, where the Amazons would just go out, fuck people, then come back. Yeah. And any guy born was sent to Hephaestus? Yeah. So they're just ignoring all that now. Just that, just hey, all that shit introduced in New 52? Fuck you. Even the good ideas. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem, unfortunately, because a lot of this current version of Wonder Woman has been about her having some kind of identity crisis, so that's clearly just an excuse by the writers to pick and choose what stories they want to tell. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway. This is happening on in September. September 20, 27th, issue 31 goes on sale. Also, Gail Simone's writing one woman again, doing a crossover with Conan. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that's something. It can be published by Dark Horse. Is Red Sonya going to show up and hey, like, hey, why does she get proper clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, yeah, I think, uh, based on the fact that Conan is being, based on the, book, based on the fact that this book's being published by Dark Horse, I don't know if they have the rights to Red Sonya because Red Sonya's dynamite. 
But they've done so many cr- like that. That I think the rights to her have bounced back and forth a lot because I remember a lot of Red Sonia and Conan the Barbarian crossovers. So I don't know, I don't know how this that whole fucking thing now. is. This whole fucking thing's weird. Yes. Speaking of weird, the Fantastic Two might be a thing. Okay. So Axel Alonso, editor in chief at Marvel, tweeted out an image of the Thing wearing, you know, the. Fantastic Four pants, but instead of a four in the belt buckle, it's a two. Okay. And that's it. Whatever. I... I, I don't know. It... it... They're bringing back the Fantastic Four, but only the thing in Johnny Storm. Yeah. Until Fox, until Fox gives the rights back to Marvel, this is, they're not going to fix the Fantastic Four at all. And I don't think that's going to happen, because did, did you hear about the new movie? No. Fox is pursuing a um, family-friendly take on the Fantastic Four. I mean, sure, but why? But, like, sure, but why? Because Fox are assholes. <laughs> this all just makes my head hurt. Like, three of the Fantastic Four are all right characters. But Fox and has one- been unable to do anything anything good with them ever yeah and they've had four tries and they're still just sitting there just like fucking with a hammer smacking themselves in the head like yeah we can get this figured out <laughs> just give up fuck they think that because they have some success with uh the X-Men that they can have success with everything they do. But they, which they don't. Kind of surprised, had, which is why I'm, I'm kind of surprised they gave up Punisher and Daredevil back to Marvel. They've had some success with like three X-Men projects. Like, like, like success in the way that they want success. They've had it in like maybe like four of the projects. Like I think like the original X-Men X2 Okay, well, maybe five. The original X-Men, X2, X-Men First Class, Logan, Deadpool. Yeah. And like though, and like the first two, kind of really only for the time. Or at least the first one, kind of only for the time was it like a yeah, fucking well, I mean, real big X- moneymaker. X- X2 is okay. It, 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 both it and X1 have not aged well, but X2 has aged a little better just because of its writing. X1, it's X1 is 90s. X1 is 90s, yeah, dude. But, X one is nineties edge. X one is nineties edge lord. PG thirteen horseshit. <laughs> yeah, you want to know what happens when a frog gets struck by lightning? Oh fuck! But yeah, they're just gonna they're just gonna keep sitting there, just like just rubbing their dick in that five dollar bill they made. Like, yeah, I'm a big yeah. boy now. We make movies. 
Yeah, and a lot of their best X Men film, a lot of their best franchise films have been when they let other creators do something other than what they wanted them to do. Yeah, like uh, First Class, that was a different creator entirely, and their response from that film success was to go right back to doing what they did before. Yeah, with the same guy. Yeah, and Deadpool worked because everyone working on the Deadpool movie told Fox, no, this will work, you idiots, let us do it. And they're like, okay, fine. And then it made them more money than anything. Yeah, and it was especially surprising because, like, I guess to Fox, like, they kept cutting the budget. Like, how are they making us this much money? We barely gave them anything. It's like, I don't understand why people who have a real passion for the project are doing good. That makes no sense. Yeah, and Wolverine. Like, do we, like, do we have a chart to explain this? Yeah, and Logan. Logan kind of worked in the sense that it, it kind of built on. It, it took advantage of the one thing that Fox had really managed to keep going was, which was investment in certain actors playing certain characters. Yeah, and it kind of lampshaded on that, and it worked once, but. I don't think that'll work twice. <laughs> no, they blew their fucking Logan wad. Unless they fucking make the next Wolf, and they fucking make the next movie that's all about fucking Daphne Keen. And even that might not fucking carry because yeah, she's really great at, like the physical stuff. I have no idea how good of an actor she actually is. Hmm. Oh wait, Dead Man, I was wrong. This is this will make you good f- feel good. Silk was canceled this year. Oh, joyous day. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That that makes me feel okay. Yes, it does. That one person writing in a letter saying, hey, Silk's all right, must have stopped writing in. <laughs> ah, anyway. Final piece of news. Which is kind of... It's kind of really dumb. Marvel recent image. Teasing an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this, this this is from Newsarama. Newsarama wrote this, so I'm just kind of right. Just gonna read kind of from their thing. But yeah, so Marvel Legacy is a thing that's gonna be happening soon. And according to Newsarama, or I guess according to Marvel, um, the announcement that they're gonna be making on Friday, June 23rd, is an announcement that fans have been longing for. And one that will sure. change the comic book industry. Sure. Yeah. According to Axel Alonso in a statement, a new initiative that will take things back to our iconic history with a firm eye on the future. Marvel legacy will present stories that remind everyone newcomers and longtime fans alike. Why Marvel stands as the premier name in fiction. Our titles will unearth gems from Marvel's rich history. Remind readers of connection, connections between characters and usher in the return of some major characters who've been missed. Above all, we want to inject our comics with a massive dose of fun. I... That just screams desperation. It really does. And I think this... I think this thing is like the... uh, Remember a couple weeks back where we talked about that? Uh, I think this might have had like generations or something. 
Like that weird like six issue maxi yeah, series or yeah, whatever where uh-huh. it's like where it's like hey we got fucking two characters with the same name teaming versions up. Of ca- yeah, different versions of characters that have had the same name team up. Yeah. Yeah, and the teaser image they released is this weird knockoff Alex Ross looking thing. Yeah, I remember that. I oh, know this is for the legacy thing. No, I know. Yeah, it's like Ironheart, Iron Man, Thor, Cap, Spider-Man, Human Torch, Hulk, Bloki. Uh, it's fucking Kitty Pride, who kind of sucks now. Yeah, unfortunately. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur way in the background. Uh, I have no idea canceled. what this is. I like that book. <laughs> Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur are still going strong, dude. Okay, good. That's like because between the is she te- she's technically an inhuman, right? Technically, yeah. I say that because while she's technically an inhuman, I think in the book she's actually said, "I want nothing to do with you assholes." <laughs> oh no! Like at the at the start of the book, she was doing everything within her physical, within her mental and physical powers to not become an inhuman. Like that was her fucking story arc. Her story arc was, "I'm working in my fucking under school basement." lab in order to find a way to keep myself from going through terragenesis because fuck that noise. Then she got a dinosaur and was like, fuck it, I guess. She accidentally became an inhuman and was like, ah, fuck. This is bullshit. I didn't want this. I already have a fucking dinosaur to deal with. And then a Kree soldier sent down to murder her fell in love with her because of course he did. Kid Kree. Oh, that book is fun. Devil Dinosaur is fucking adorable. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Alrighty then. Thank you all for joining us. Marvel Legacy Consensus September 27th, I guess. I don't fucking care. We'll be back. In two weeks' time, with an episode of the DustorProds.com comic podcast. In between now and then, though, we got some bullshit. I don't know. Stuff's happening. Might have a new commentary track out. Because I just realized I kind of never actually posted that thing explaining the change to the commentary tracks. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'd be starting up a new commentary track series. A thing involving people outside of the website. Maybe. Still working on it. I'll let you know. Yeah, until then, I'm dead. And I'm Birdie. We will see you guys next time.